0: Hi, this is Michelle Astley with Balance Shared, a space where I truly believe we are better together. Thank you for listening to our podcast today. In this interview, I was able to chat with Lacey Beatty via phone, via Zoom on uh, February 19th. I was recovering from the respiratory effects of influenza, I believe. And you will hear me coughing from time to time. You will also hear Lacey's daughter humming happily away as she plays while her mother engages in the interview because the babysitter wasn't able to show up, as was planned. So you're going to hear healthcare and motherhood while we talk about politics, even if we don't address those issues directly. I really hope that you enjoy. Welcome. I'm so excited to bring back Lacey Beatty, who's running for Beaverton mayor. And today, real life is just kind of hitting us, and I love that. I have this respiratory thing, so we'll try to cut out any coughing that I might have, but... In this real life, Lacey has a little one and her babysitter backed out. So we're gonna have a family-friendly episode today and talk about all things family and livability and what works and and why politics and family and all that are so important. Lacey, thank you so much for joining us today. It's
1: my pleasure and like I mentioned, my toddler is running around our kitchen island with a folding chair. So this is like the perfect episode of 10,000 Ways a toddler might die.
0: (laughs) Oh, I uh, saw you posted something on social media the other day. You were at a metro council meeting and your little one had to come and she was just hanging out and you were there paying attention, you know, doing the thing that so many moms or caregivers do, right? Paying attention to the meeting and paying attention to the kiddo. How did that meeting go? Well,
1: you know, what was a little bit frustrating about that meeting is they actually advertised childcare. So I am married to an active duty military officer that's job is intense. And so this month alone, by about the midway point, I've already spent more on childcare than my budget allows for the month. So I have to really look at every single meeting as, is this kid friendly? Can I bring my kid? Is there childcare? So when I was told that there was childcare in broader, I was disappointed to get there because parents were leaving the building because of the same thing. My child is a professional meeting attender, um, and so she sat there with me. It made it a little bit challenging to focus on both yeah. things at the same time, but in true fashion, other moms at the table paid attention to her too, and so the burden was a little bit shared, but it's always a constant reminder to me of how important childcare is.
0: Oh, Childcare, that's another topic that we didn't that maybe we can get into. Um so I reached out to a couple of my friends and in doing so, it made me realize how little I know about how Beaverton city politics works, like where the governance begins and ends, with say like the school board, can you kind of give us a rundown of what the mayor is in charge of, what the council's in charge of, and how all that works?
1: Sure I I in the future years I want to run a city 101 governance class because this is actually really common that people don't always understand the form of government and how it works and it doesn't matter how much we teach in civics we generally are talking about federal politics and don't get right. down to the local level so we are not a full service city so we have special districts that operate within our city too so we have a special district parks so they have their own elected board we vote them in they manage like a $68 million budget by themselves, the parks and natural resources. We have a special district fire. So we have a coordinated regional fire department. Um, every city in Washington County besides Hillsboro, participates in it because being able to deploy fire resources across jurisdictions is really important.
0: Mm-hmm. We have
1: a school board that is elected by themselves that manage everything with the school. We have half a special district water. So half of Beaverton residents receive water from Beaverton. The other half receive it from Tualatin Valley Water District. Then of course, on top of that, we have the Metro government, we have the county government and the state government. And so when I'm out knocking doors, people often wanna to talk to me about maybe an area that I don't represent. So I spend some time talking to people about that at the door. Then I give out the email address of whoever represents their issue. And right. ask them to contact them, so I can kind of pivot back to what the mayor and the city councilor does. so the mayor in Beaverton is a full is a full- time mayor in charge of basically everything they're the city manager, so we oversee the police department, public works, economic development, um the finance department, and the city council sets the policy and manage the budget. so the mayor's in charge of basically everyone in the city, and the council's in charge of. How, many, how much we spend in the budget and what kind of policies like, you know, we policies could include like making it illegal to sleep in your car. The council sets policies like that.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: so figuring out how everything interchanges and works is often complicated when one other of their government entities maybe does something that starts ruffling feathers.
0: Right, right. And who do you go to, right? So like we think a city and it just seems obvious that, that the mayor is the one in charge of everything. But that isn't the case. Right. And so I'm
1: actually the only city councilor. with my email address public on the city website. So I think it's really important that you be able to reach out directly to people that represent you. So I actually see myself sometimes as a systems navigator. Of, you've reached out to me a lot of times it's my mom, about some issue in the park, and I redirect her to maybe Felicia de Monteblanco, the chair of the uh, park district.
0: Thank you for doing that. Uh, Another politician years and years ago, one of his primary things was talking about, we have to trust that government can work. We have to know that government can work, that there's a live human who's going to answer the phone, when we call with our issue and help us navigate the system to be able to then reinforce just the whole thing. It's a really important process that, that needs to happen that usually doesn't. So it sounds like you're doing your part and trying to show how government can work.
1: Well, we forget that like government actually is like uh you know, customer service, right? right. Like, our job is customer service based. And if our customers are upset, then our service isn't very good. And I think sometimes when you're driving down the road and you see maybe development happening or your favorite restaurant going out of business, you want to know what's going on and you want to have a friend on the inside. Well, I'm Beaverton's friend on the inside. People shoot me emails all the time about what's being built on the corner. What happened to my favorite coffee shop? You know, and I carve out time a few times in my week to go through constituent emails like that and answer them because I have the same interest. When I see something being built, I want to know what's coming. Mm-hmm. People like to feel like they have the inside scoop.
0: Who's in charge of development in Beaverton? The city is in charge of
1: development um, in the city.
0: So the mayor and the council. So,
1: so yeah, the council ultimately approves things. The mayor's wow. office is often driving the start and sometimes it's reverse. Sometimes it's the council that has an idea that has the mayor's office go after it. Sometimes we're getting told by the mayor's office like this is something the staff want to work on Uh and it is a delicate balance that always doesn't work in the best capacity. Sometimes we find out the city council late about something being built that we didn't have any idea about and we're being asked to approve it with very little information and so It is a constant battle of how much information is enough information to make a decision about maybe an $85 million project going up or even who we're leasing our land to that we own and who gets free space in Beaverton. Those things are complicated and require all of us working together.
0: Absolutely. And now we'll take a quick break. Welcome back. We resume our conversation with development leading in to how the city runs and so much more. So here in Portland, and you can read stories about this in other places, you know, we see development happening and it's not always clear like who's in charge of it. And the first thing we notice is like, you know, kind of like you were saying previously, you know, our, our coffee, sh- our favorite coffee shop is gone, or all of a sudden parking is really crazy. Uh, and, and we wanna know what's happened. So development is such an interesting thing for cities. So like, can you kind of walk us through, well, first, first um, can you share your experience with how development works or doesn't work well in Beaverton?
1: Sure. So when I was running for office, Six years ago, I would go to city council meetings and hear the council talking about like the utopian future of the millennial living in high rise buildings uh, and not needing car for public transport. And so we could build more density because everyone's going to be walking and and riding the bus and everything like that. The reality is, not every millennial is like that. Like, right, we're not like this monolithic group of people that own, you know, three pairs of pants and live in a tiny building. The reality is, people come to the Northwest in particular for their athletic adventure, right? Like we have a three car garage full of kayaks and motorcycles and mountain bikes and snowshoes and skis. I can't live in a one bedroom apartment with my kid and my husband and all of our outdoor gear. But what people often don't realize is that how like student loan debt is like crippling millennials. And so they often live in smaller places because that's what they can afford. And, We also are a bedroom community in Beaverton. We don't have the best public transport. Our max line runs east and west, but the population center is north and south. And so we are creating these uh, areas of development with food islands. We're not creating the corner market where you could go get your egg and cheese and milk. And there's not even like a one mile walking distance out of central Beaverton to a major grocery store without crossing major intersections in the rain. Um, someone tweeted at me the other day that they were at Safeway on Murray and Allen, the major intersection. They looked out and saw the bus three minutes early, just passed them by. So Whoa. she would have made it out there by the time like the bus was scheduled to be there, but it was earlier than normal and just buzzed by, and here she was with a armful of groceries missing the bus.
0: Right. And, and the so, climate is governed by right. a completely different agency altogether.
1: Right. Exactly. And so if we can't compel last mile bus service or it gets close to your neighborhood, people can't use it. They're just they're too busy. You miss the bus and have to either wait an hour or you're walking. Right. People don't have time for that. I think we underestimate too often people's willingness to sacrifice driving for environmental reasons when it com- it's in conflict with their time which I understand we're all time deficient. People are so busy now. It's crazy. Yeah. So if we don't work harder to make it easier for people to use, they're simply going to opt out.
0: Right. Yeah. So when, when um, so the whole, the whole bus and the bus transit thing is kind of a, a different issue. Um, right. At, you know, these out of sync high rises that don't necessarily match the, average need of the person like how how does that who where's the vision where's the planning like you know and here in Portland especially I see like they didn't think about parking again and you know and just like you're saying you know we we come here because we want to go to the ocean we want to go to the mountain those things are 90 minute drives away minimum from where we're located and we don't have a super fast train that's going to get us to either of those locations and so usually we're driving Mm. Sometimes we rent cars, but we have to store them someplace. Right.
1: I do think people are thinking about it. I just don't think they're thinking about it correctly. So they've limited in, uh, for example, um, in Washington County and Beaverton, when we're building affordable housing, they're only building 0.75 car spaces for every unit. Oh, and so they're relying on multiple people in the building not driving to make up for the fact that maybe one house has one or two cars in it. But in struggling dual working families, we're getting, they're getting pushed further and further out from uh, uh, operation centers. People have to have cars to get to work. Yeah. And so when people talk to me about how terrible the transportation system is in Beaverton, I talk to them about affordable housing. And it's hard for people to get the dot, dot, dot. But like my sister, for example, lived in an apartment by Nike off of Murray and Walker. Yeah. And her rent more than doubled. And so she was riding her bike to work at Elmer's down the road and then was forced to move further away from the population center and is now driving into the same work. Uh-huh. But now we're putting pressure on the transportation system. So I don't think that we should think about people that are low income and in poverty driving less. The reality is they're probably driving more. And so we are building less parking because it is expensive and hoping people are just going to use public transport. And so I understand that most people think that we're not thinking. I think we are thinking we're just not thinking the right way.
0: Sure. So how do you influence that? Like how, how do you as a politician and how do we as citizens influence that?
1: Well, I think, um, and so development has multiple stages of like review process, right? So we have yeah. a an appointed planning commission of community members that are looking at this. Mm-hmm. What I think we need to have influence is making sure people on those committees are reflective of the community, right? Oh, sure. We have three major decision making boards uh, planning, transportation, and budget. Uh-huh. When we look at who those look like in Beaverton that are all appointed by the mayor they're not quite reflective of what the community looks like. If we want to have, have. right. And so when we look at the budget committee, if most members make over 100 grand a year and they're voting to raise property taxes, it's less likely to impact them and for them to think about that way. The same with the planning commission. If they are all people that live in single family dwellings down the road with four cars, they don't know what it's like to live in an apartment void of parking spaces and transportation options because they simply have never been there. Right. So I think the best way to influence these decisions upstream is making sure that the people on our boards and commissions are more reflective of the community using services.
0: Right. So if we get a more diverse mayor, maybe yep. somebody who's younger, a woman who has a child, who's experienced, you know, different different income brackets in life, that would be one step towards towards that. So how, how has your campaign, campaign been going since the last time we chatted, which was before the new year?
1: Yeah. So when I was in the army and I was deployed in Iraq, we used to play this song Manic Monday every day because it just, it didn't matter what was happening. Things were manic and crazy and it felt like Groundhog Day. Yeah. It's a lot like campaigning. So mm. I wake up every day at 4.30. I work out. That's really important to me as an athlete and a prior mm. military person. Taking care of myself physically is something really important to me. And then I knock doors for hours and hours. I've knocked over 5,000 doors <coughs> in this campaign so far. Wow. And if you've never knocked doors in a campaign, it's important to know it takes about two hours to do 50 doors. Sure. So to give you a little bit of like perspective on how many hours I'm out there, usually between four and six hours a day, bad weather and all, pouring yeah. rain, um, calling people at night, asking for money, the worst part of campaigning. Sure. <laughs> uh and I have to make a lot of phone calls because the majority of the donations to my campaign are between $25 and $50, which right. is very reflective of the community. But my opponent is getting you know, $5,000 checks from developers. And so I have spent a lot of time on the phone to even match remotely what he's able to bring in. So I've had to rely a lot on other moms uh, helping me do things pro bono. Like I have a friend doing a lot of my design work on my mailers and rack cards that someone else has have to pay for. I have another mom friend working as my treasurer, so I don't have to pay someone a percentage of all of the money I bring in to report because we have to report in Oregon every penny given to a campaign. Sure. Um, I have another friend because my husband was gone this whole last month. That's like, I can't knock doors. I hate talking to people. I don't have any money to give you, but can I watch your daughter? So you right. can go out and do these things. And so she's been taking my daughter on Saturdays with her kids to basketball camp. She's not old enough, but she's literally watching my kid while her kids are playing basketball so I can go out and do this work.
0: Oh, Campaigning
1: that's... while female is different.
0: Yeah, it's a village. Yep. Um, so how, remind me again, the date of the primary, it's May? 19th. May 19th, so exactly three months from now. Yep. Uh, If people want to support you in your door knocking, where should they go? They should go to my website, babyforbeaverton.com and shoot me an email.
1: Um, Even if you want to uh, just support me while I'm, there's a mobile app that I use that helps me target voters, Uh, but it's kind of time consuming for me to look at the information in the app, try to figure out the next house I'm going to. So when someone helps me by doing that piece, by directing me, Uh I can focus on delivering the message at the door And not, and I can speed up almost by 50% sometimes so I could get the same amount of doors or double the amount of doors in the same amount of time as someone staffing and helping me. And that's a great area for somebody that maybe doesn't feel comfortable talking to someone directly. Also, as a woman, it's challenging to be out by myself for the safety factor. You know, like I have a lot of – I don't go into – a yard that has a fence that might close behind me. Right. Um, and so I have to think about that stuff. And when I was talking to my husband about it, he's like, I don't understand. Like, just go knock on the door. I'm like, well, I don't know what's on the other side. Could be a dog, could be, you know, an unsafe situation. But it's just, so for me, it's safety. It's also lonely to be out five or six hours a day. So yeah. that's a really easy way to help a candidate.
0: Right. And then to be that support. I'm so glad you mentioned safety. Safety is such an interesting thing. Um, I remember like we have some serious issues in our world, right? There's sex trafficking, there's, you know, we see things all the time. There's, you know, petty theft. There's stupid acts of vandalism that that can, you know, totally hinder your day. But when I look at crime statistics, and I was just kind of taking a peek at Beaverton crime statistics, they don't seem that they're that actually changed from even just a couple ago, but our perceptions of crime are, are different. Like, um, my husband works at TriMet and he um, is like in the buses, right? He, he fixes and he started with cleaning the buses. And he observed that when a bus driver kept his area clean, the rest of the bus was cleaner. And so, so yeah. I hear that because sometimes when our cities start to look a certain way, we think that things aren't necessarily as they are you, do, you, do you follow what I'm saying?
1: I do. And I also think that we're a much more interconnected community than we used to be through like apps like Nextdoor. So if somebody witnesses something that they might view as sketchy, they're putting it on Nextdoor and blasting it out to their community. I mean, for example, my husband and I were canvassing in a really nice neighborhood in Beaverton on Sunday, and someone called the police on us and put it on Nextdoor that they didn't know what we were out there doing. And we were like, and I'm wearing like Nike running pants. I mean, I could fit I could have just been out on a walk in the neighborhood, and I think, God, you know I've had this happen to friends that are black and canvassing, yeah. uh, and it didn't end well, but because I was white, it ended well, um, but th- that and I was like, "Hey, man, take this off of next door." She's like, "Well, this is sketchy." And I said, "I'm an elected official canvassing for democracy in your neighborhood." And she still called the police because she didn't believe me. And so I think sometimes because of apps like that, people are just aware of minor crimes happening and then painting a broad stroke brush of (coughs) everything happening.
0: Mm. So being really great critical thinkers and building community are part of campaigning, but also kind of separate of that as well. Um, How do you think we should address those things?
1: I think awareness and sometimes looking at the source, right? A lot of our community is educated and you know, you are taught to be a critical thinker and look at information as true or not true. We are living in an unprecedented time in which we are doubting media, doubting uh, coverage of certain events. And so I always tell people, take a step back and like think, how's your neighborhood really changed? Right. Are you concerned because there's a homeless man sleeping in a car and you just think homeless people do drugs and are child molesters? Right. Because there's this real dot, dot, dot connection for people for some reason with, if you are homeless, something is wrong and therefore crime is happening.
0: Right. When in Even reality, all the average American, right.
1: Yeah. Exactly. Most Americans can't withstand a $500 expense, unexpected expense, without going into debt or borrowing it. And if you don't have someone to borrow it from, you are one accident away from losing your house. Right. you're probably not a child molester, and there's probably not drug addiction happening
0: right uh, so fascinating um my i'm my cold is kind of affecting my brain. I want to see That's more okay. women in 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 policy making, and I really want to see more people with different perspectives and policy making, which is one reason I'm so thankful to be able to chat with you about your role and, and, you know, you're younger, you have a lot of energy, which I just love so much. Um, we touched on this a little bit in our previous interview, but I really want to check in with that again. How did you get support to be able to run? Like initially? So I, uh,
1: well, my first campaign, uh, I, one kind of by brute strength. I read a lot of books from the library. I know that sounds weird, but my husband and I both did like how to win, how Barack Obama won his campaign kind of thing. Uh
0: Um,
1: But I've gotten, I got a lot of support from other electives, like, you know, maybe helping me not repeat some of the same mistakes. Or sometimes you're like, this seems like a really good idea. Mm -hmm. I should spend money on robocalls to call everyone. In reality, no one wants a robocall. Right. And so you just need like, And I am not a big fan of the word mentorship because the majority of women running for office are equally or more educated than I, come from a very different life perspective than I. They don't need my mentorship. They need my sponsorship. They need me to get them into rooms they don't have access to because everything in politics is about access, Uh access to information, access to spaces, access to donors. And women, we have to do better of like, you know, I make an effort that... My husband doesn't go to every political event with me by design. I bring other women with me. If I'm going to an expensive fundraiser um, that I have two tickets for, Ian goes to a couple a year with me. But by and large, I look in my circle of anyone thinking about running for office and going, do you want to be my date to this event?
0: Right, right. And just
1: giving people the opportunity to get in spaces and make and build those relationships is Mm -hmm. some of the most important work we can do.
0: For the average citizen, where, how should they get more involved? You know, you just think your average mom, probably not interested in running for office, but certainly interested in the lack of parking or, you know, how the schools work or whatever. Uh, so, how, how could they get more involved in, in politics to know what's going on and how to influence their local area? Specifically, well, I think the
1: number one important thing mm-hmm. is voting. Yeah. We, even though we vote by mail, May elections, which is when you decide who your school board member is, who your mayor is, who your town council is, are chosen in May. So I recently looked at the amount of women voting in Beaverton that vote in uh, presidential primaries, but not generals. It's staggering. Mm -hmm. There's more people that vote, obviously, in presidential primaries, And three months earlier, all the decision makers about everything that like about your schools and water and infrastructure are all being decided three months ago. And so how do we make it normal to talk to people about voting?
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Because, you know, we're in a society that says don't talk about religion and don't talk about politics. And then, but here we are in like a moral crisis like we've never seen. We have to start talking about politics. So that's why I always tell people, the best way to influence decision is by voting for people, new people, paying attention. You should follow every single person that represents you on social media. Yeah. Because then at least sometimes you're going to get an inside view of like where their brain's at and where they're thinking. And like someone like me, I don't have staff. What you see is what you get. It's a real authentic view into my life and about how I interact in public spaces with my kid and my job and do all these things. And newsflash is not always pretty. Right. Because it's real and it's raw. Um, So those two things. And then it's, you know, what do you you value things with time or money? Not everyone has both. So can you volunteer um, on a border commission in a city? Can you, you know, and I know when we get large crowds of people coming to city hall, we've missed an important step and people feel like they've not been communicated with. So communication works both ways. Sometimes if you see something bubbling up, that doesn't seem right, you should reach out, you're actively reach out to politicians. Local politicians like me are easy to find. My right. neighbor just dropped the box off at my house because it got misdelivered to her house and she's like, uh, Can't wait to get the future mayor's mail, you know?
0: Right, right. So if people have issues with like say the school board, like we'd want to have them get in touch with the school board directly, you know, so when buses change or boundaries change, it's the school board that's gonna deal with that, not necessarily the mayor or council. Right. I mean, you could reach out to me and
1: I can help put you okay. in contact with those people. Yeah. But the other thing is we need to look at the school board because they've not had any competitive races in some time. So if you don't like the decisions being made by the school board, uh-huh. Elections are coming up in 2021. Like let's put our collective power. Like maybe you're not the mom that's going to run, but maybe you know someone. Women have to be asked to run almost all the time. Right, like, and say, you can do this. Right. The thing is, is we have to make public service accessible. We have to have childcare. We have to pay a stipend so people can um, afford to do this work. Right. Most of it is by and large is volunteer-based, but I spend a lot of money having someone watch my kids so I can go participate. And so oh. how do we remove the barriers so we don't feel guilty all the time?
0: Yeah. Oh, wow. Um, I think we're at about our 30 minutes it's hard to say yeah. with the audio and whatnot cutting out, but yeah. we'll go uh, for, with that. Um, I want to have more conversations with you because all of these topics are so, so, so important. And uh, yeah, so Lacey, thank you so much for for joining us today. So you, we need people to go check out your website, Beatty for Beaverton. We need people to vote in the May primary, May 19th. So the ballots will come out probably um A a month before, like right around tax day is when the ballots and the voter pamphlets and things will start trickling out. And if you've got an issue, run for office.
1: Right. And I would be remiss if I didn't offer up one more thing. So my really good friend started a nonprofit called Politicit they will pay for your child care expenses for you to participate in public things like in a pta meeting or a city council meeting and they recently went big swinging for the nevada primaries and are now helping families in nevada get to be able to go participate and so it's a oregon-based company it's called politicit if your um, barrier to participating is child care this is one of the best ways and you should when you post this interview you should link to them too they'd be really Uh appreciative of it and they're doing some really cool things
0: yeah absolutely I am so grateful for you to be being in that and being in being a a, a younger woman in this race a mother and just changing the topics of how we talk about engagement in politics the ideas we need to share and the barriers we need to remove so that we can really co-create a future we're all proud of. Thank you for doing this work. My pleasure. It was February 19th at the time of this recording, when we were still doing things very much in person. If you'd like to support Lacey in her campaign, she is accepting help for phone calls and social media. Please check her out at BeattyForBeaverton.com. I hope you enjoyed today's episode if you liked what you've heard please subscribe and while you're in the giving spirit leave us a review on whatever platform you use especially apple podcasts that will help this message of better together get to those who want to hear it thank you so much for listening to our podcast today this is michelle astley with balance shared a space where i truly believe we are better together (laughs)
2: <laughs> for the human race. We're yeah. going to have to make some tough decisions pretty quickly um or my feeling is mother nature is going to step in in all honesty. Sure. So it's how do how do we handle that and I think that's through greater awareness and a higher level of consciousness. Mm-hmm. Um and love L- love kindness that is the key to this greater elevated state of conscious awareness. So when you talk about, you know, my daughter being my age and what that world looks like, my ideal vision is that one connected human race um, that has, through a higher level of consciousness and awareness, developed scientific um, scientific and emotional capabilities to solve some of the biggest issues that we are confronting right now. Mm. as a species and so if we take on that challenge and actually work together from that intention my ideal vision will hopefully (laughs) that's the energy i'm putting out there yes um but i'm a realist too i'm i'm you know i'm not a pollyanna and it's really interesting because through the homeschooling and unschooling especially now as my kids are entering into being teenagers, Mm -hmm. I want them to be functional adults and Mm -hmm. I want them to be that generation that really does help solve all those problems. But at the same time, I want them to know how to use plant medicine. If we do have an outbreak, you Mm -hmm. know, right. Mm -hmm. If we have some kind of biological pathogen that, that spreads, like I all in all honesty, I really think these essential oils are going to be incredibly powerful. Um, if that were to happen. So it's a combination of both. I think it's important to be real and smart and educate yourself. And I think it's important to put that energy out there of love and abundance mm-hmm. for the future that you want to manifest and create.
0: So I imagine with the sort of daily rituals we touched on, help gro- ground you and keep you tethered to that love and abundance. And so that whatever comes up, because we were sort of talking about, um, on the break and a little bit, I think in our conversation, uh, you know, what, so operating in joy. So if, if you take being present and flow and connected and like that as your, your, as a guideline, like when we operate and en- enjoy, we're operating at our best selves. So what can we do to operate as our best selves? What's a top five thing you would tell a new oil user to do to stay aligned with love and abundance to live in joy?
2: Gosh, what a great question. I to think about that. Okay.
0: While you're thinking about that, I'll add. So I am convinced that if we're going to have that co-created, beautifully woven society, we need to do the inner work and in whatever that looks like, mm-hmm. right? And, uh, and it's going to be different for different people, but so that we each have our own kind of awakening and what I love about these essential oils is just like you described, they are these beautiful partners that just kind of gently walk you through. So like, if you are of the Christian belief, a common thing is uh, people like to say, well, Jesus walks with you. And when you're having a trouble, then he'll carry you. Right. And I think mm-hmm. of all of these things together, similar, whether you call it universe source, whatever, and the oils are a tool to help be that, to help carry you when you go through rough time. So if our goal is this beautiful co-created future, and we need to start now and shoring up ourselves, what is the top five steps that you would give a new oil user in getting aligned with their truth?
2: Yes. So good. And this is such a funny question too, because like some of them are really solid, like the the answers that are they're coming for you right now, and some will probably change if you ask me that question like a week or a month or a year from now. Absolutely. So, yeah, We're
0: intuitively driven here.
2: <laughs> yes. So, in this moment, I would say, and if for a new oil user, I mean, I would only start with like one or two things because just, just like the whole idea of using essential oils can be pretty foreign to somebody that is maybe used to more mainstream type mm-hmm. medical stuff. So. Uh, I would say have a bottle of frankincense and balance on your nightstands to make it super easy, right? So one drop of frankincense under your tongue in the morning, and then before you get out of bed, or you can go to bed and go to the bathroom, but then come back (laughs) and put a few drops of balance on the soles of your feet Mm. and give yourself 30 seconds to just set an intention for the day and feel gratitude for the fact that you are breathing. Oh, I love that. That you are here. You woke up no matter what's going on in your life, no matter what chaos you may be experiencing that you are present. You are here in this Mm -hmm. life. And that is such a gift first and foremost. And so when you start the day with gratitude, It sets the tone for the entire rest of the day, right? And when you combine that with essential oils like frankincense and balance, balance is such a beautiful oil in that it grounds you into your space. You're activating the pressure points from the soles of your feet and giving yourself a little bit of self-love and attention, right? Mm -hmm. Because how much, how many of us, especially as young mothers are either woken up early from our, with our kids, Mm -hmm. it's like bam, start the day, you're already in catch-up mode. Mm -hmm. From the instant you woke up, you are playing Mm catch-up. And when your day starts out like that, that sets the tone. For your emotions and your mood, when you feel like you're in catch-up mode all day, it's a race you will never win. Mm -hmm. And so if you can set that tone of intention of gratitude from the moment you open your eyes, feel the grace within you, And the direction that you want to take your day, think of one thing that you want to set as your intention for the day. For me, I'm really working on the intention of channeling love. Mm. I just want to be a vehicle for love. And, you know, some may perceive that as, you know, love everybody, just like show love, love. And honestly, what that starts with first, love for myself. And when I take the balance then and I put it on the soles of my feet, honestly, it takes 30 seconds, right? We're not talking about a huge amount of time to do this self-care, but mm-hmm. it's, it, it, when you do those little things, it makes a profound impact for the rest of the day. So for a new oil user, I would really recommend one balance or one drop of frankincense into the tongue. I'm sure in another podcast, you can go into all the benefits of frankincense. Oh. <laughs> we don't want to do that today. <laughs> but then balance on the soles of the feet and gratitude, right? Oh my gosh. Then, uh, so that would be two, third one would be lifelong vitality pack. Mm. So those are our supplements that we use in conjunction with our essential oils. And they consist of a multivitamin and omega fatty acid and a cellular vitality complex. Those are the bare bones, cover your bases to make sure that you get your nutrients for the day. Mm. And when you use those with your essential oils, it's gonna compound the effect of the essential oils by tens of hundreds. Because if we don't have the cellular health to take mm-hmm. advantage of that chemistry that we talked about earlier in the essential oils, you're only going to get so far when yes. you use your oils on a daily basis. And so we want to make sure that we have those healthy cells so that when we apply the balance or the other oils, we get the full impact. So I would say number three, lifelong vitality pack. Take that with your breakfast or in the cars, or you're dropping your kids off. <laughs> um, and then in the afternoon... I would uh, put some citrus oil in your water. So most of us have oils or excuse me, water bottles, right. That we use throughout the day. Ideally you should, if you don't (laughs) just drink some water, I, by the way, I am not great at that. So I, I take that that advice to myself as well. Um, lemon, grapefruit, any kind of citrus oil tastes amazing. It makes you want to drink more water because it has a great flavor. Uh, that's going to support your detox organs, particularly your liver, which we need a ton of support, in, especially in this Westernized culture. If you find yourself dealing with anger issues or frustration, uh, or if you, when you get triggered, if your go-to defense mechanism is anger, <laughs> put some citrus oils in your water. <laughs> Ooh. Ooh. That's going to help. A lot. I promise you both on a physical level, but also on an emotional spiritual level. So citrus in your water, that's number four and number five, put a calming oil in your diffuser at night. Hmm. Those would be my top five right now. Um, I'm sticking to them.
0: That's awesome. Oh my gosh. We have no more time. We have gone over, um, way over, and this is going to be fantastic and wonderful. And thank you so much. And we could have so many conversations. I hope you're up for it. <laughs>
2: so, of course. Anytime. This is amazing. Thank you so much, Michelle. Well, oh, you're welcome. Thank you.
0: I hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you liked what you've heard, please subscribe. And while you're in the giving spirit, leave us a review on whatever platform you use, especially Apple Podcasts. That will help this message of Better Together get to those who want to hear it. Thank you so much for listening to our podcast today. This is Michelle Astley with Balance Shared, a space where I truly believe we are better together.